Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor, and it's great to see you this morning. I hope everybody had a very Merry Christmas, and uh, we still have another week to eat, right? Amen? It's been a good Christmas and a good week, and, uh, uh, and I hope that you uh, enjoy this week that you have. It's good to have my mom and dad at service today, and uh, the uh, in-laws left this morning. The outlaws leave tomorrow, right? Is that what it is? She's looking at me like I'm in trouble. So, uh, no, it's, uh, it's good to have my mom and dad here. Randall, who uh, leads worship, uh, his mom and dad, uh, Rand, Randy, not, don't call Randall Randy, he'll go loco on you, but Randy and Kathy Cartwright, they pastor in Jerseyville, Illinois at First Assembly. It's great to have them. And uh, yeah, I had to be good today because he was my dean of men in Bible college back in the day. Take me back. So anyhow, so it's good to have them today and uh, all of you with us. It's great to see you and uh, to be out this weekend. Um, this weekend, this is kind of a week for me that uh, where I kind of reflect and make some adjustments. And uh, I think a lot of people do because uh, New Year's is around the corner. And I'm not going to make any changes tomorrow, right? I'm not going to change my eating habits tomorrow. I'm not going to get on the treadmill tomorrow. But a week from tomorrow, right, I'll join you, and we'll be all back on the treadmill again and all back eating healthy again, and we'll expect by Thursday of next week to be looking like, you know, Clint Eastwood. And so it's one of those deals where we make, we do a lot of evaluating during this time of the year, and whether you're a New Year's resolution person or you're not, it's kind of hard not to kind of do a year-end review and uh, just to think about some things. And, and so that's what I want to talk to you about this weekend is is as you reflect over the, the previous year, as you commit to the present, you're going to make some changes, and hopefully you're going to receive some, some benefits or some dividends in the future. And I came across a passage of Scripture that, for me, just kind of gave me a grid to answer some questions that pose some questions to me that really has helped me, uh, and I'm in the process of doing exactly what I'm preaching today, uh, through this process, and it's in, found in the book of Hosea, and if you need to go to the table of contents to find Hosea, don't worry, many of us may have to, uh, but it's in Hosea, in an Old Testament book, Hosea chapter 10, I'm going to get there in just a minute, but uh, Hosea was a minor prophet, and uh, very little is known about him as far as background, we know his name Hosea means salvation, which is kind of interesting, because the entire theme of the book is basically about God's faithfulness, even when his people weren't faithful. And uh, there's a lot, uh, Hosea, I don't think I've ever preached a sermon out of the book of Hosea, but uh, this thought just really hit me in my study this past week, as I'm just kind of reflecting and processing and doing all of that. Uh, and, um, and so he talks from that perspective, you have to have that in, your, in the background. You have to also understand that Israel at this time, I think it's like a thousand years before Christ, 700 to a thousand years before Christ is when Hosea wrote this book that uh, he's also speaking to people from an agricultural standpoint, and which most of the Bible is written in that, in that form. And we'll explain a little bit of that more in just a minute. But he says in Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, it's going to be on the screen for those of you that don't have a Bible, and I'm reading this from the Good News translation. He says this, I said, plow new grounds for yourselves, plant righteousness, and reap the blessings that your devotion to me will produce. For it's time for you to turn to me, your Lord, and I will come and pour out the blessings upon you. Let's read that again. I've said, plow new ground for yourselves, plant righteousness, and reap the blessings that your devotion to me will produce. For it is time for you to turn to me, your Lord, 
and I will come and pour out blessings upon you. That's important for you to understand. Hosea is a prophet. So he's not speaking his words, but God's words. That's the reason why it refers to me, your Lord, in that latter part of the verse. So these are God's words, a faithful God speaking to his people who are not always faithful, what they need to do to kind of have a course correction in their life, if you would. And, and something that's very, very important to understand is that he makes these basically these three statements. Plow ground, it's time to plant and reap, and it's time to turn to God. Now, with all of this, you have to understand, too, that there's the Scripture, all the Scripture is based upon a process. You and I, as humans, we like, uh, we like things to be microwave. We like things to be zapped. We like things to be quick and easy. All of us. If I told you, if you'll come today... As the, as the musicians begin to make their way, and we're going to lay hands on you, and I just want you to hold on to your pants, and you're going to drop 30 pounds as I lay my hands upon you and pray for you. Yeah, there'd be people that would line up for that, because we would love for God just to melt the pounds away like, like butter on a skillet. Come on, let's talk about it. It's just us, right? And those of you skinny people, just be quiet, because we fat people make it hostile. But, but, but the reality is, is we like quick, easy fixes. We like it like Burger King. It's our way right away now. The past week or so, I was in the truck, and Anna and Ava were with me, and I don't know the exact context of how, it, but, but the conversation of a microwave breaking down came up. And there was this shock and this awe on their faces as they went, what? Life without a microwave? And I said, girls, I'm a kid of the 80s. I remember when mom and dad bought the first microwave. Remember that? Beep, beep, beep. Remember, it was huge. It sat on the counter. There was none of these little convenient under-the-counter models or it was a, you know, a, some type of vent hood integrated into the microwave. It was huge, you know, and it was that fake wood over metal type of deal and the door that opened up. And you could, like, put marshmallows in it and blow it up, right? Remember that? And then gremlins came along, and then you tried the neighborhood cat. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's just... What was life like before the microwave? And I was just, it was just cracking me up. But that's kind of how we are. We, we like things to be quick and easy. I'm saying all that to say this. You have to understand that the Bible's built on process. The Bible's built on the whole idea that in the natural, in our natural sinful state, we want things to be easy and quick, and we, it's all, all about me. It's all self-gratifying. But the work of the Spirit, God's way, is not the easiest way. The Bible says it's narrow and it's rough, and few that find it. Because what it, what it requires is for you and I to take God's word and to redirect our lives and to make course corrections in our life according to the word of God so that we take the principles and the promises from God's word. Because remember, God's responsible for doing two things, upholding the principles and the promises of his word and applying them and downloading them into our lives so that we align ourselves to God's word. God doesn't align himself to us. And there's a discipline that's involved. There's a process that's involved. It's day in and day out. I, I didn't get on this platform today speaking to you because I made a decision yesterday to do this. This was years ago that I made a decision to follow God and to walk things out. In the same way with you in your life, it, it, it's, it's a decision that you make according to God's word that you're going to do things God's way. And you begin to processively work those principles and precepts from God's word and the promises of God's word out in your life so that it produces. You have to understand that. So it doesn't just happen. And there's a biblical process that's established before sin enters the world in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 called seed, time, and harvest. 
Again, it's agricultural in nature, but, but this is a law of God. And the Bible says that as long as this earth will remain, there will be seed, time, and harvest. And that, and that seed will always reproduce after its own kind. It's a law of God. And so there's seed which falls into good soil, and that it, takes, it germinates, it takes root, and then it begins to produce a harvest. So if you do good things and you plant good seed into good soil, it will produce a, a good things in your life. It will, it, will, it will reap good dividends. If you take bad seed and you plant it into, even into good soil, it will produce negative things in your life. That's the reason why sometimes we wake up one day and we go, how did I get here? And how did this happen? And why did this? Because you allowed either things to come into your life to be planted that someone else planted into your life because you weren't kind of watching over the garden of life, so to speak, or you did that yourself. And, and so you have to understand that seed time and harvest and the whole process of that goes into our life. Because basically this life on earth is a dress rehearsal for eternity. We don't think of it in that terms. We think of it as, as this world. This is it. No, 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 no. God is more concerned about the work of God in you than what you're doing for him. He, and when ministry, he's more concerned about the work of God in me than, than me doing the work of God. And so it's very important to understand that these character-building processes, these, these processes of discipline, this is the undergird. This is the, this is the whole framework, the, the structure in which all of Scripture is written. That's the reason why God says it, it's about a journey. It's about a lifestyle. It's about a relationship. It's not about getting zapped. It's not about having someone pray the right prayer over you. It's not about speaking the right thing over you. It's about taking God's Word and downloading it into your heart. And you have to understand this, too. You may not like this, but it's true. God doesn't repeat himself. So when God speaks it into his word, when God says, hey, this is what I said in the word, he, you may go, oh, I just want to know what you think about this. Well, God's like, hey, dude, I've wrote this in scripture. It's right there for you. And it's not just for you, but it's for the generations before you and the generations to come after you. That's the reason why this word will produce in your life. And the second thing is God won't, uh, God won't do for you what you have the ability to do for yourself. That's hard. But it's true in Scripture. We, we make decisions in life, and we are the sum total of the decisions that we've made in life. I, I heard one minister say one time, you have what you have because that's what you can handle. And it's so funny how we as humans, we always want more. We always think we have the capacity to have more. But you have what you have because that's what you can handle. And when you expand your capacity to be able to handle more, when you go through the disciplines and the processes to handle more, when you plant good seed and you give it time and then it produces, then your ability to be able to take on more is there. But just because you wish you, wait, you, wish you may, you wish you might, have your wish you wish tonight, doesn't mean that God's going to do it for you. God's going to only do for you what you don't have the ability to do for yourself. So... With that in the framework, let's look at Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, because there are three questions that he brings out of that passage that I want to just, that I'm processing through right now. This is part of my personal devotion, and I'm going to challenge you to process through. Now, on the back side of your bulletin, there's just some open space for some notes. And the reason why we did that set of an outline this weekend is because I want you to take the things from this sermon that will be helpful to you and write them down. You may walk out of here with a blank piece of paper. That's fine. You may scribble down some things that are really profound for your life, but, but there are three questions that he, that he basically poses out of this, this passage. The first question is this, what hard ground in your life needs to be plowed? What hard ground in your life needs to be plowed? This is a good question to ask yourself. What hard ground in my life needs to be plowed? Because he says, he says, you need to plow a new ground for yourself. The NIV says you need to plow up the hard ground. 
Now, this deals with your past. This deals with things that have already happened. And, um, and when he says hard ground, what that means is neglected ground that cannot receive seed. Neglected ground that can't receive seed. We know that the word of God is the seed. Uh, the, the Bible refers to that when he's talking in terms of seed, time, and harvest, that God's word is seed. And so that seed should be put into the ground of our life and should produce righteousness. But if, if the ground of your life is hard and it's because it's been neglected, it cannot receive seed. So it doesn't, what that means is this. If the ground of your life is hard, it doesn't matter how much teaching you sit under of God's word. It doesn't matter how many prayer meetings you show up to. It doesn't matter how many days you fast. It doesn't matter how many spiritual disciplines you do. It doesn't matter how much you read God's word. It doesn't ever produce because it either gets plucked away by the birds or the sun scorches it and it dies. So it's very important when you're talking about, that's why Hosea, that's why God's speaking to Hosea to say this, to plow up the ground of your life. What's the hard ground of your life? What's a neglected area of your life? What's an area of your life that can't receive seed? Because if you can't receive seed, the process will not work. And if the process doesn't work, you're not going to grow. You're not going to move forward. That's the reason why if you ever, sometimes uh, in secular universities, even sometimes private Christian universities, but more so in secular universities, you have theological professors who know the Bible backwards and forward, but they have no personal relationship with God. And you go, why is that? How can you be a scholar and an expert on God's word and yet have no relationship? Because you have a hard heart. That's the reason why David said, guard your heart because out of it flows the issues of life. The Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. David in, in, in Psalm 51 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Why? Because the heart is the ground of our life. The heart is the area in which life comes from. The heart determines whether or not we're going to receive the seed of God's word and the teaching of God's word, and we're going to grow and benefit, or whether we're going to become crusty Christians. And, and here's what I think about crusty Christians. I don't think that the devil is upset at all because you're at church today. I don't think the devil's really mad because you give money to missions, you give money to, to tithe to church. I don't think he really gets all that upset that you have a ministry in the church. As long as he can keep your heart calloused, he can keep your heart hard, he can keep your heart kind of crusty, kind of flaky, just kind of, you're just kind of the frozen chosen. You're okay because basically what you are, you're inoculated with the gospel. You have enough of God's word in you uh, to be okay, but, but you don't have enough in you to really be infectious. It's because of a hard heart. And listen, some of you are here today and you go, man, my marriage is falling apart. Well, can I tell you that when, when the religious leaders of the first century asked Jesus, why did Moses give a right of divorcement? And you have to understand, Moses was right up there. They thought Moses would have been the Messiah, except he lost it in the wilderness. And he forfeited his opportunity because of the judgment of God to become the Messiah. So, so there had been no one next to Moses until Jesus Christ came onto the scene. And so they're putting up the highest individual that they knew of. Why did he give a right of divorcement if God hates divorce? And Jesus said, because of the hardening of man's heart. And any time, if you know anyone who's ever gone through a divorce or if you've had the unfortunate pleasure of going through a divorce, you, you realize that, that there are seasons where one person's heart is, 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 is soft and, another, and, then, and the other person's heart is hard. Then all of a sudden things transpire and the other person who had a soft heart now has a calloused heart because something happened and something was said and then this person breaks down and there's this offset until finally two people's heart become hard at the same time and it's over and it's done with. 
It's because they can no longer, you can talk to them, you can pray with them, you can pray over them, you can do whatever you want to do, but at the end of the day, unless God shows up miraculously, which God won't violate your will, go divorce. Why? Because of a hardening of the heart. It's not a sexual issue. It's not a relational issue. It's not even a personality issue. It's not a you lost that love and feeling, it's gone, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa issue. It is a hard, heart issue. And, and Hosea knows this, and God's speaking through Hosea to say, look, plow up the neglected areas of your life. Plow up the ground in your life. Make sure that your heart is soft and ready to receive the seed of God's word. Because it doesn't matter what thing, great things God has to say or what great things God does. If your heart is hard, if the ground of your life is hard, you won't grow and move forward. That's the first question. What? Hard ground areas of your life need to be plowed. And I'm going to tell you, I have areas in my life that I go, you know, I'm probably getting a little crusty over here. I'm probably not quite as sensitive as I should be. I probably, and, it, and, and I can just be honest with you without, I'm not going to tell you what my answer is, but that's between me and the Lord. But, but there are things in my life that, that I'm being challenged on and convicted on by the Holy Spirit that I probably should do some things in some areas of my life just to make sure that I say tender before the Lord. Because it's easy, especially in ministry, to lose it. It's easy to sit in a church and become just kind of, like I said, inoculated by the gospel and lose it. And so what hard ground in your life needs to be plowed? The second question that he asks us is what areas do you need to sow seed? In what areas do you need to sow seed? In what areas do you need to sow seed? This is potential growth areas. This deals with the future. And when we use the word sow, I understand that's an agricultural term. But sow basically is, is, is what areas you need to invest your time, your talent, or your treasure. Every one of us in this room have time, talent, and treasure. Everybody in this room, you have time. And you have time. And you, wanna, you want to leverage that time to benefit yourself, to benefit your family, ultimately to benefit the kingdom. You, 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 have, you have talent. Everybody in this room, you have talents. You have gifts. You have abilities that God has given you. And you want to use that and leverage that to benefit yourself, to benefit your family, ultimately to benefit the kingdom of God. And everybody in this room, regardless how much money you make or don't make, we all have treasure. We all have resources. And what are you doing to leverage, to invest, to sow that, and to benefit yourself and your family, ultimately the kingdom of God? Now, here's a couple of principles. Again, you have to understand the process of God's word. You don't, you, what you, you don't reap today what you sowed today. You are reaping today what you sowed yesterday. And what you sow today, you'll reap tomorrow. Let me say that again. You do not reap today what you sow today. You will reap today what you sowed yesterday. And what you sow today, you won't reap till tomorrow. Not tomorrow, but next Monday. Remember, get this. Not tomorrow, but next Monday, we're all going to go on a diet. Not tomorrow. Tomorrow is Krispy Kreme Day, right? Tomorrow, speaking of which, I just had like an apple fritter at Starbucks before service. Awesome. Tomorrow, we're just going to continue and tis the season, right? But a week from Monday, we will all say, you know what? I have sown some seed in the last month that's produced a harvest right here. Told somebody today, I said, I'm like a Hershey kiss. I'm chocolate, and I got that, that, that pear shape going on. Woo, all right. Anyhow, I got jokes going in my head right now, and I have to process through. That's why I pause. Okay. Um, and it's funny. This one's really funny. Okay. Here's what happens. 
so, so, so you've done this. So oh, not tomorrow, but a week from Monday, we'll, we'll all go to Sneakers or wherever, and Mark and Jennifer Miller will be happy, and, and we'll get on a treadmill, and we'll start a, a new regimen, right? Because we're going to get into shape. That's the goal. That's the New Year's resolution. Not tomorrow, but next Monday. And, and we'll go. And about Wednesday, our stomachs will be going, hey, 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 we're, we're empty, empty, empty. Down here, down here. Fill me up. Fill me. I mean, we'll, and, and we'll be craving like pizza buffet, China buffet. I mean, we, we will be, you know, whatever buffet. I mean, we'll be craving it, right? And, and our bodies will be racked with pain. Because we will use muscles that we have not used. And we will get on the treadmill thinking that we can run a 5K, only to find out we really can hardly run around the block, right? And, and we'll do that. And on Wednesday, maybe Thursday, you'll step on the scale. Because here's the deal is, you're saying to yourself, you know what? I've been good this week. You know what? I've made a radical shift in my life. You know what? It's been three days that I've read the Bible straight. Three days that I haven't cussed this week. Three days that, that, that for some of you, that's a long time, I know. And, and three days that I've, I've prayed. And, 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 and you know what? I just want to see what that scale has to say because I've been good. I've been eating healthy. And I've done the Special K Challenge. I'm doing all the right things. And you'll step onto the scale. And you will expect to have like this loss of weight. Probably only to be frustrated and disappointed. For those of you that are skinny in this room, you have no idea what we're talking about. And again, I would remain silent because we could become hostile and volatile. And, 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 and somebody in your office will say, man, I lost so much weight this week. And you're just going to want to just like, tag them, right? Come on, let's just be honest. And, and because what we expect in our lives is that if we do something, instantly we have gratification. If we do something, instantly we see the return. If we do something, instantly we see, we, we get the kickback. That's how we're wired. That's not wrong. That's just reality. But the thing you have to understand is that when, when he talks about sowing seed, he's not talking about an instant return. He's saying you've got to take seed like you would to go plant corn, right? And around here, the, 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 the rate of growth for corn in the summertime is knee-high by the 4th of July. And so you put the corn into the soil, and you don't expect for you to have stocks of corn the next day or even the next week because it's going to take time. Seed, over time, produces the harvest. And so we think, well, if I sow it today, I'm going to reap it today. Or if I'm going to sow it today, I should have some kind of gratification or some kind of return today. No, 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 no. That's the reason why you can be living in sin today and go, maybe God's okay with me. No, because you sowed seed of righteousness yesterday, but you're sowing seeds of unrighteousness today. And it may not kill you today, but it'll kill you tomorrow. God is not mocked, Galatians 6, 9, and 10. For whatever a man sows, that's what he'll reap. For if you don't become weary in well-doing, if you don't quit, you'll have your reward. Why? Because God works through process of seed, time, and harvest. God doesn't need to repeat himself. He said it once. He doesn't need to say it twice. It's in his word. He's responsible for the principles and the promises of his word. And he will not do for you or for me what we have the ability to do for ourselves. So what areas do you need to sow seed in? What areas today do you need to sow seed in for your future? Now, it's important, too, not just to say, okay, I'm going to sow, but where you put that seed is very important. Let me show you, because where you, where you sow makes all the difference in the world. Let's just talk about money, something tangible that we can talk about that we can all understand. A year ago, uh, in, the, in 2008, this, this past week, Starbucks, the stock, closed at like $9.35 a share. 
If you would have invested in Starbucks stock a year ago in 2008, this past week it closed at $23.66 a share. So you would have you would have more than doubled your money by sowing seed, by sowing money into that stock. Now, if you have taken the exact same amount of money, the exact same currency, and you would have put it into Citigroup, into Citibank, last year, it closed at $7.14 a share. And if you had put it and left it in there for a year, the same money, the same amount, the same investment, this past week it closed at $3.30 a share. You would have lost 50 cents of every dollar that you invested in Citigroup. Same money, same amount, same investment, but where you sowed it, where you invested it, made all the difference in the world in return. Sometimes we think, well, I'm doing, I'm sowing, I'm doing, I'm sowing, I'm sowing, I'm investing, I'm investing, but where you invest your time, your talent, and your treasure, and I'm talking more than just commodities and stocks and money, where you invest your life will basically tell you where your return's going to be. Can I tell you, one day that company's going to be gone. One day you're going to be a wall, a picture on a wall down, down the hall somewhere, and somebody's going to say, who is that? There will be a day, should the Lord tarry his coming, that Tammy and I will go hand in hand and we'll walk out those doors and we will retire to sunny Florida, praise God. And, and in that point in time, but I may give my entire life here, but I will be relegated to a picture on a wall somewhere in some hallway, and somebody will go, now who is that again? Because the question is, is where are you investing? Why are you investing? What are you sowing into? So you go back to the question. Understand, life is like a vapor, Solomon says. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. And you have to ask yourself those questions. Where am I sowing? What areas do I need to sow seed into? What are the potential growth areas in my life? What are the things that I feel like I need to do? And the third question that he asks is simply this. What are you turning from and what are you turning to? kind of a two-part question. What are you turning from and what are you turning to? What are you turning from? What are you saying no to in order to turn to, to say yes to? And this deals with the present. These are issues that you deal with today. Now, I want to give you a phrase or kind of an equation that I think really sums this up and may give some, 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 some really good thought for this. And here it is. Direction, not intention, determines destination. If you're taking notes, this is a great thing to write down and process. Direction not intention determines your destination. Direction, not your intention, determines your destination. One more time. Direction, not your intention, determines your destination. Let me explain this. I know a lot of people who they're kind of like Dorothy. They want to click their, their ruby slippers and they, and they want to go home. They want to go back to Kansas. And they ha- their hearts are right. Their motives are right. Their intentions are right. There's nothing wrong with that. But the direction of their life is going in a totally opposite direction than where they want to go. And they think, well, if I have a right heart, if I'm a good person, if my intentions are right, if my motives are right, then it's all going to come out in the wash. Direction, not intention, determines your destination in life. I'll give you an example. Let's just say, for instance that I'm tired of, of being in Wisconsin right now. And, and let's just say that I'm thinking going to take a trip and take my family to someplace that's warmer. Let's just say maybe Miami Beach. Pretty cool? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Because I'm tired of, it doesn't know whether it wants to be March on Christmas Eve and rain or if it wants to be winter and, and December and snow. And, and I'm tired of hearing my sump pump run and it's really wigging me out. And I'm just going to get in my truck. I'm going to take my family 
And my intention is to get to someplace warm so that we can just put our feet in the sand, soak up some rays, have that South Beach diet. No, I won't eat that. But you know what I'm talking about? We're going to go. And so we pile up in the truck. We make sure we got the DVDs, plays God for the DVD player, and we, we, we motor down Mequon Road, and we're going to go east until we hit I-43. And on I-43, instead of turning south, which is the direction that I need to go to get to my destination to Miami, I turn north. My intention is to get to Miami. My heart is to get to Miami. My desire is to get to Miami. In my mind, I'm going to Miami, but the direction of my truck is heading north. And I pass through towns like Kohler and towns like Sheboygan and towns like Green Bay. And all of a sudden, it's getting colder. It's not getting warmer. And, it's in, and, and I wind up in Escanaba in the UP. And I'm mad and I'm frustrated and I blame God. And, of course, I blame my wife and I blame my children who have done nothing but watch videos in the back seat and say, when are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? How much more time, Dad? And I blame everybody. But the reality is I'm driving. But I say to myself, my heart was right, but my intentions were right, but my motives were right. What was wrong? My direction. I wanted to be south, but I'm heading north. I'm wanting to go one direction, but I'm heading another direction. Because my direction, not my intention of life, will determine my destination. What are you turning from? What are you turning to? See... Regardless where you are, whether you're talking about your personal finances, whether you're talking about relationships, whether you're talking about a business, whether you're talking about an education, whether you're talking about your relationship with God, you can want all you want. You can have the right intentions all day long. You can, but unless you are headed in the right direction, you're going to wind up at the wrong place. And you're going to get mad at me. You're going to get mad at God. You're going to get mad at everybody around you. And you're going to wake up one day in Escanaba thinking that you're headed to Miami. And you're going to be sorely disappointed and you're going to be frustrated and you're going to be mad. Because you're going to say, at this age I was supposed to be married. At this age I was supposed to work out like this. At this age this is what was supposed to happen. And the truth of God's word is that your direction in life, not your intention, determines your destination. It's more than just having the right heart. It's more than just having the right intentions. That's part of it. But it's got to be the direction. So I encourage you this week. I encourage you, as you reflect over the past, as you begin to make commitments, as you begin to try to set things up to reap benefits in the future, ask yourself these questions from Scripture. What's the hard ground in my life that needs to be plowed? Because if you've got, got hard ground, you're never going to grow in those areas. It's going to be barren, barren. it's going to be non-producing. What areas do you need to sow seed in? What are the areas you want to grow in? It's kind of like sitting down with a financial planner and you say, hey, when I retire, I want to be at this level. Here's what I want to do. And the guy says, okay, or the gal says, okay, here's what you've got to do. You've got to save this amount of money. You've got to have this amount of return. And here's the diversified portfolio that you need in order to be able to get where you want to go. Then you have to make the decision, am I going to do that or not? What are the, what are the areas that you need to sow seed in relationally, personally, spiritually? You can apply this to any area of your life. And what are the things that you're turning from that you're saying no to? And that you're turning to, that you're saying yes to, because direction, not intention, will determine your destination. And as you process through this this week, I believe God, just like he is in my life, is going to show up through the Holy Spirit and going to convict you of things, 
It's going to give you wisdom in things. It's going to guide you into all truth and some things to make some course corrections in your life that we all need to make from time to time to make sure that we're on the right track personally, to make sure that we're, our families are on the right track, our marriages are on the right track, our businesses are on the right track. Look, the Bible is profitable in every area of your life. And you can take this teaching that I'm talking about today and you can pull Hosea out of it because all truth is God's truth. And you can talk to employees that you have. You can talk to people in your business. You can talk to customers. You can talk to... These are great questions to ask because these are principles of life. Now, here's what I want to do today. I want to bring this down to a spiritual principle. Is Randall and the band, they're going to make their way back onto the platform. And we're going to prepare, get ready to prepare to take communion. Which is a spiritual discipline that, in my opinion, kind of illustrates this point. And that's simply this, that... That the Bible says that we, as we come together and take communion, that we should reflect. That we should, um, well, let me read it for you right here in, in 1 Corinthians. He says that, um, that a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. And so it's a time of reflection. It's a time that we begin to reflect. It's a time that we begin to examine some things in our own life. And then as, as we're sitting there, and you're going to receive the elements of the cup and of the bread, I'm going to ask you to hold those elements in just a minute. And we have what we call open communion at Life Church, which means you don't have to be a member of this church or any church to take communion. As long as you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, as you're a Christ follower, we invite you to take communion with us. And if you're not, just pass the elements right on by. Nobody's going to say anything or going to embarrass you in any way. We're not going to make you feel awkward or anything. But if you'd like to take communion today, you can just take those elements and you can hold those. And Randall is going to lead us in a song. And, and as he does, I encourage you to examine your heart. Where's my heart? Am I crusty? Am I calloused? Am I getting hard? And then allow the Holy Spirit to convict. I'm not your convictor. The church is your convictor. Your brothers and sisters in Christ aren't your convictors. But allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart and into your life. And if there is areas where you go, man, I'm wrong. Or I need to make this right. Then right there, the Bible says that when we call upon the Lord, that he's there. And that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that just simply means this, that if there's areas in your life that you need to make right with God, just right where you are, you can say, God, forgive me in this area, and I want to make this right. And you can make a decision right there in your seat to make some course corrections. And then we're going to, we're going to, to take this communion because it says, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that we do this. He says it like this. He says, for whenever you eat the bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You commit yourself once again to what Jesus Christ did on the cross and what he's done in your life. So I just want to pray, and then we're going to distribute the elements. I'm going to ask you to hold on to those, examine your heart, and then we're going to come together and proclaim his death until he comes. Father, I just thank you today for your word.